the Fox show. Um, you're listening, you're tuning in in your car somewhere. You're watching, you're wondering who are these guys, you know, I stumbled on. Christopher Walken's on the show. I'm not sure. Is he? Maybe. <laughs> What the Falk Show with me, Connor Falk. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, be it through SoundCloud, iTunes, or the new Stitcher app available in the iTunes store. Very lucky this episode. I actually have two guests, two guests for the price of one, both amazing filmmakers. First is going to be Mark Polish, director, writer, actor. Then we have Juan Pablo Reyes, producer, cinematographer, director of many uh, different reality programs and whatnot. I've been very fortunate enough to work with Juan. Definitely someone I look up to in the industry. Guys, you're here to promote and talk about your upcoming film, Headlock, a feature film that I'm really looking forward to. Guys, uh, I'm really excited to have you on. How are you doing tonight? Thank you so much. I appreciate the time and space to uh, allow us to speak about this film and, and, uh, and other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got to thank Juan first off, sir. Thank you for helping this happen. You and I kind of connected talking about when we did pickups for Blow the Deck, a show for Bravo. And just kind of let you know that I've been doing this podcast. I've had different people from inside and outside the industry. And I know that people are really going to enjoy this episode of talking about this upcoming film, Headlock. Very cool. Man. Okay, so f- first thing I want to talk about is Mark, um, you and your brother, Michael, twin brothers actually, get started in, movie, yep. in movies like uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, Moving On from Smell of Success, For Lovers Own, or Stay Cool, A Good Thief, which are movies that I actually watched as a kid. And Smell of Success. Success yeah. is something that I have interested in because it also reminded me a lot of where I'm from. I'm from Kern County, yeah. Bakersfield, California. It's a very big agricultural center. Smell yeah. of success being about the the uh, manure business, certainly something yeah. that I kind of a uh, you know had knew something about being from that area. So this is going to be your first feature directed film. You've done documentaries, you've done shorts. I kind of want to talk about how yeah. this got started. You met Juan on certain projects. How did you guys? How did how did Headlock come to be? Well, uh, well, there's a lot of stuff here. I mean, I'll try to I'll try to like fertilize it. Um, yeah, I, also, <laughs> I was born in. I was born in crap as well. I mean, Imperial Valley was so I'm very familiar with, with uh, growing up in, in an agricultural area. But uh, I early, I met, I mean, Juan had a different version. I don't, I remember meeting him on my second film that we did with Jackpot. But on the third film, I really recall meeting him. We were in Montana in sub-zero weather and I was walking to the set. Out there, we were in the plains and we were in the middle of absolutely nowhere up in the uh, upside uh, Great Falls, Montana and up against the Rockies there. And I remember coming to the set one is me completely bloody uh, coming down off his shin and he was sitting in this weather just continuing to work and I realized he looked like he's from LA and mm. you know, from Montana due to that reason knowing that the extreme environment would probably make a lot of people from LA quit or California kids quit mm-hmm. and so to see Juan just continuing to work I, I, I just was drawn to his work ethic and we became friends from that point on and we forged a strong relationship and he could take how he got up there because I don't even know how he got into Montana. How he got up into Montana? Yeah, it was it was uh, it was crazy, Connor. After we worked on uh, Jackpot, um, I was you know just got lucky enough to to get on the North Fork, and it was like an even bigger picture, the bigger like bigger idea. Uh, super excited. It was a PA. I just moved out. You know, I just wanted to get in there and uh, got a chance to go out to Montana, and it was it was an amazing experience. It was really awesome. I had to work with like amazing actors on that, like Nick Nolte, 
James Woods. I mean, it was like an amazing experience for a kid from Miami. And I had a really great time with that. You know, the last time we worked on together. Well, I think it's great that, you know, Mark, you mentioned his work ethic. And working with Juan, I could certainly yeah. certainly understand where you're coming from. That's why he's been, been so good at the programs he's worked on, be it from basketball, wives, marrying the game, Hollywood exes, things that I certainly learned a lot by working at when I worked as a PA on them. And for the listeners that are listening out there who kind of want to get in the industry, work ethic, working those long hours, being polite, being productive, being respectful, that's what you would say it really takes. Obviously, there's luck involved in certain being in the right place at the right time, but wouldn't you say those are kind of the characteristics that really lead to someone being successful in this business? I would say 99.9% of the time it's your work ethic. Everyone, the majority of people here have talent um, and they have the ability to create wonderful work. It's that work ethic that you're going to get up at the crack of dawn you know, you get up with the, with the with the crow, the rooster, and you go, and you don't know when you're going to go to bed. And the conditions are very warlike. I'm not taking anything away from our veterans, but you know, your malnutrition, you work long hours, you you work with a lot of volatile people with attitude, mixture. So it takes a lot of mental capacity to be able to be in this business and to start as a PA and work your way up as Juan did. Um, is an amazing testament, and it's why I why I turned to somebody when I needed the producer to go on the road. We did twelve countries. We actually did about fifteen or sixteen, but we actually filmed in twelve of them. I turned to Juan. I said, "This is about the only guy I know at the work ethic to get up and travel and do these this kind of globe trotting." Uh, feature film that I was that Headlock had turned out to be. Juan was standing there. I came to him. He didn't even blink an eye. He's like, "Where are we going? Let's do this." Oh, that's, that sounds amazing. Well, then, so Mark, you've all, yeah. you've written, you've acted, and this is going to be yeah. your direct debut. You know, you've worked so much with your twin brother, so many great films. Yeah. You know, A Good Thief is something I remember watching when I was young on IFC. I was always yeah. a big fan of Nick Nolte. Yeah. You've worked with him a certain yeah. amount of times. And I have to just ask real quick, Patrick uh, yeah. Bacow, I think I'm pronouncing it right, and John Grease? Yeah, Bush, 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 uh, do, yeah. do you guys have... Amazing, amazing actor, by the way, man. He, he, he had a small part in Headlock, actually. Uh, he was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, my question was, I remember growing up and watching this show, The Pretender, that they were yeah. both in. And did, did you guys have any kind yeah. of hands or in that show, or did it just work out that you guys had met no, these no, guys? No, and... that was funny enough. John Grice was, who was actually the godfather of my kid. Uncle Rico was the godfather of my kid. We lived down the street when I moved down to Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Hollywood. I was about a block, about four hours down with uh, John Grice, who lived there, and become friends. And through that, he was doing the show Pretender. And as he read the scripts with all Idaho, he said, Hey, I know a guy, you know, I work with Patrick Rousseau, who's from the French New Wave, and I've known him from a, some of his previous work that he did with Vim Vendors and The State of Things and a lot of uh, earlier films. And so he introduced us to Patrick, and we were able to use Patrick and John in our first film, and uh, Patrick was also in Jackpot, and he's in, in Headlock as well. Oh, well, that's awesome. Okay, well, so Mark, you, you know, yeah. behind the camera, in front of the camera, in the writing room, yeah. Juan, all, yeah. all, your, all your great work on reality television, how did you guys come together at this point, and then how did Headlock start to be? What were the influence, and how did that development process kind of go? Well, um, since with, with Juan, I just do his experience traveling. He's traveled a lot since uh, leaving. Uh, he, he, he ducks in and out of features with me in development and doing other things, but I've been well aware of his feature, uh, his reality TV work. He's been in a lot of exotic locations, so he's had feet on the ground in a lot of places that I didn't have. Thailand, a couple other places, Hong Kong, I think. I mean, he was naming all these places throughout the year, so when I turned to him, I said, look, I need somebody who isn't intimidated to hit the ground in these places, shoot for a good 48 hours, maybe 72 hours, collect all the footage, data manage, get it going, get the you know, just do a lot of different tutorial-wise that I knew he could do and do it without any fear, and, and he was bilingual, and so we could go into different areas. I just felt, as a, he was almost like a general, that I had so much confidence in him, so that's why I brought him aboard on the on the 
we, we split the headlock into two halves. We did a domestic side here in LA and we shot 17 days with the likes of like Diana Agron, she was in complete, Andy Garcia, Justin Bartha, and the kind of actors who didn't want to travel, we kind of, we cemented them here. Mm. And once we were done with that, we waited a few days and then we set off to do a, a kind of a globe trotting. Uh, we did it in two parts, but the first part was eight countries and the, uh, we did a, another tour with the, with the other countries later. Yeah, I mean, so it's part of, I mean, the really awesome sort of thing that happened with that was this sort of, I, I got a particular set of skills. I, I had been doing reality for so many years and it just, it just so happened that this particular part of the movie just sort of, you know, you know as you know, Connor, you're like, reality sort of improv on your feet. Yeah. Get what you can get it, you know, no matter what, using sort of lights on the fly, getting people in places on the fly, finding locations on the fly. So I sort of had all those those skills that we sort of set. And so I had sort of, you know, a set plan going all these different territories and, and sort of knowing what we need to get. Uh, you know, working with Mark close, close with Mark in, in talking about scripts, scenes, and what we needed to try and accomplish, and we sort of have a plan going to every every single country. But I, I, I just knew, just knowing that I had done it for that, that that we'd be able to get through this easily. Absolutely. Well, in your work in reality, as you said, you really have to be on your feet. There's so many things that can happen, be it good or bad, and you really have to be able to move through the problem, be a problem solver, solve each problem, try to get to that point and get the footage you need, and then uh, you go ahead and make a good unscripted show. Now, you know, we talked about the casting process. This is this this movie is full of really good actors. You have Diana Argon from Glee, The Family, I Am Number Four. You have, okay, obviously the OG and Andy Garcia, Godfather 3, Ocean's uh-huh. Eleven, Untouchables. Uh-huh. You have James Frain, which I'm a big fan of from True Blood, Grimm, oh, yeah. True Detective uh-huh. this last season, uh-huh. Gotham, Justin Bartha, obviously from The Hangover fame and National Treasure, Bar Pally, which uh-huh. I gotta say, as a male, um, I definitely remember her from Pain and Gain, a very beautiful and talented uh-huh. actress. Was uh-huh. the casting process difficult or did you kind of know once you saw them, you had these great actors in and then it kind of went pretty easy after that? How'd it go? Well, I mean, the thing is, I don't, uh, I don't audition uh, actors. I don't. I mean, if they're here in, in my presence, they've obviously got talent. So I like to sit down and have a, a conversation with um, each each individual actor and talk about the material, see what they're going to bring to it. Because I love to hear their ideas overall. Of hey, this is what I feel the character is, and this is what my place is, and understand what their strengths are when I bring them in on on the set. What, what are they going to bring? And obviously, you're dealing with like the likes of Andy Garcia, who's a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't have to say too much to him. He's going to bring his A-game all the time. You just kind of in awe to sit back and see what he's, what he's, what he's all about. It was a, a very interesting. You know, the casting process is very difficult because it's shrouded by representation in the town. And yeah. you've got people wanting to direct them in a certain way. And, you know, I have a reputation as an independent filmmaker. And so actors know they can come and flex some different kinds of muscles with me. And so we're, we're able to get in the room with Andy uh, we were able to really collaborate on what this character that he was going to do, play, and and how we were going to be able to stretch him as an actor, me as a filmmaker, and see where we could meet in the middle and have this really amazing collaboration together. And, and uh, you know, to work with him and the likes of Nick Nolte and James Woods, you just get better as a filmmaker. You can just sit back and their, their technique is so well, you know, versed in what they're going to do. They're, they're amazing performers for a reason, and they're in these, you know, why Francis Ford Coppola got him, and, you know, why Nick Nolte is who he is, and why James Woods is who he is, is because they got a tremendous amount of talent. There's not much you need to do at this point, except, you know, guide them and make sure that their choices for the material are, are great choices as well. You know, they're looking for you as a director, as a confident, as confidence builder for them. You know, they want to make sure that when they're walking that tightrope, that if, if they're going to fall or slip, you're there for them. It's been an amazing process with all of them, including Diana, Diana, who's a 
I think is underrated. She's a powerhouse. She came oh prepared and, and full of strength, and she's obviously really easy on the eyes. But what you didn't, what you weren't aware of when you, when you sat with her and talked to her, was this amazing strength that she had to be able to play this character twofold. It was a very sensitive character. She plays a wife. That, you know, as the movie goes on, you find out. I don't want to be any spoilers. So you find out that she's somebody else, and she has those abilities and that equipment as well to be able to shine those as well. You know, you're, you're not guessing or thinking, oh, she can't play this and that. Both. Uh, the details of the character is very, very well. Well, I can tell you as a viewer of the film The Family, obviously I'm a huge Scorsese fan, mm-hmm. anything that he does, Robert De Niro as well. Yeah. I thought she did a great job yeah. as the kind of intense yeah. mob boss's daughter. Mm-hmm. So uh, another reason why yeah. I'm really looking forward to this film. Let's get to the locations. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. You know, the part of why I got in this business, my friends and I, was because we wanted to get paid to travel. We wanted to get to go to different places yeah. and get to make yeah. some television mm-hmm. shows. Juan, that's where your strength comes in. I know for a fact that I know you went to France, England, I think as well. I know you went to France for sure for Basketball Wives a few years ago, right? Yeah. I did, yeah, I did. So, so you're definitely a veteran of how to deal, how, like he said, how to get on the ground feet, uh, feet first and how to go ahead and shoot out there. How many locations did you actually go to when shooting Headlock? We did 12 countries total uh, and five different states. So would I be right to assume um, that's so the I mean, most you've traveled in any, any production you've done? That's probably the most in two two weeks. <laughs> wow. I mean, we, we, we actually two different uh, travel sort of dates. We, we actually did the first two weeks and then we went back and we did like the second round almost. And I think we did like a week and a half. But it's a lot, man. If you, and you know, like if you sort of sit down and thought of it, wow, we did so much. But, you know, no situation sort of take it one country at a time. I mean, you take it one day at a time and, and you figure it out as, 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 as you go. You know, you're dealing with different cultures. You're dealing with like different money. You're dealing with different... Uh, language. I mean, so many things to sort of have to, to, to try and figure out along the way. But no, that that's the fun that's the fun part of it, though, because you really sort of get to get to sort of like flex your muscles and 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 really sort of use everything you've learned to try and make things happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, Sorry, I like how you said make things happen because for you in your producer role, you're really the guy who's shaking hands, who's getting deals done, working with different tax brackets, with different governments, with different you know police forces or whatnot, different legalities and different decisions you're going to have to make. Would you say that you having a calm head and so much experience really made it easier for you to deal with you know so much in such little time? You know what? You, you, you can't overwhelm yourself with that. You need to sort of just be, yeah, you know, I just know my, my tendency to sort of be calm and, 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 you know, collective. And, but you sort of really have to just ground yourself, you know, ground yourself to sort of connect yourself with, with every situation. You know, because if you start thinking, you know, beyond that, then, you know, it, it, it could get a little bit overwhelming. Mm. Um, but, you know, just, you know, like, like I said, we would take it one, one day at a time. We, you know, figure things out as it came to us. But a, a lot with this movie, though, really, and, and it's so interesting, we got lucky, man. We were sort of get things and fix things out on the flight. Things would happen on accident, but things that ended up happening, it, it hit the cut of the film and things like that. We, we had all these weird sort of coincidences along the way and it sort of had the process. Okay, now speaking of the final product, something that, you know, after I knew I was going to have you on the show, I went ahead and started reading about it. And I, and I can't lie, we talked about a film that you were doing with Andy Garcia, but then I really got to read the synopsis. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but on IMDb, it's on there. Mark, you're playing you're playing Kelly, a CIA recruit who uh, who gets injured. He's he's in a coma. His wife, a former CIA recruit, Diana, played by Diana Argon from Glee fame, she has to go ahead and kind of solve the crime, protect you, and, and kind of go ahead and figure out what happened. Which I think is a great role reversal from what you're used to in the usual CIA movies. Usually, the, the wife or daughter gets kidnapped, and the man has to go find them. Now you have the female character, a strong female character, kind of figuring it all out, taking charge. It's gonna be great. Yeah, no, I, I, I really felt that you could really 
invest in, in, in a female, uh, a strong field of character, which you didn't see at the time I was writing, and now you're starting to see a lot more of it with Hunger Games and these stronger female. You're starting to see that the box office is responding to what I've always thought we needed, which is stronger female roles. So when I written the initial piece, uh, the, the role of Tess Chandler, played by uh, Diana, was needed someone very, very strong that was able to forge a kind of a male-oriented world of the CIA and spies. Yeah. And, and you start to see her come alive and, and, and understand, like, hey, we just thought she was the wife. You know, and then you start to blossom into this very strong female character and her past starts to come alive. And it's just, I, I've never done that, that kind of storytelling before, so there was a little bit of a learning curve to understand, you know, how, how is this character going to arc properly and when do you show those strengths and when do you reveal and her sensitivity. Well, would I be, you know, would I be right to kind of get the influence? I was kind of thinking, you know, a 90s movie I always loved with Gina Davis, Sam Jackson, The Long Kiss Goodnight. You have a housewife uh-huh. who kind of falls uh-huh. falls into kind of an action, finds out she's an ex-assassin. Mm-hmm. And then I think La Femme uh-huh. Nikita, obviously, see the great French film, uh, Luc Besson, of, of a, uh, a female oh, assassin. Yeah. Am I kind of on the same? Is that kind of what we can expect? A strong female kind yeah, of just... Yeah, I think, yeah, I do. I do think there's a, you know, there's a, you know, it's, it's science fiction, you know, based, so it's, it's a, there is a, there is always a spy thriller element, but we're also dealing in, in this movie in kind of a, uh, uh, a, I wouldn't say magical realism, it's more of like, a, you know, like a Philip K. Dick, where the time and space is altered enough to under, not understand where we're kind of at. Okay. So you wa- I wanted to get the headspace of what a spy would be going through. It's like, what's their relationship to truth at, at a certain moment, you know? And yeah. it really focused on a love story between these two spies. Uh, the, the core of this kind of heartbeat of the movie is the love story between him and her. And it's kind of this epic vastness of, I mean, I was really, really inspired as a young kid with Dr. Shivago. And you, you just can't make that movie today. You can't make that vastness yeah, of, okay. of an epic kind of war-torn spy love story. So it was kind of that together with like, how can we get the vastness between them, the love and the strength between two spies where vows are one thing in marriage and you throw a kind of a spy relationship on top of that. It's like, who's telling the truth? How much love do you trust somebody? I think it would be quite, quite relationship. So I thought that was a great kind of premise to, to explore as well. So Headlock releasing, it sounds like it's going to be coming out in 2016. Juan had said you're yeah. looking at an April release date. So I can, for the for the listeners that are listening right now, you can think that anybody who's yeah. an action fan, a thriller fan, a sci-fi yeah. fan who likes twists and yeah. turns in the mind, they're going to all enjoy a film like this, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, look, you know, when you get to play on this kind of arena in independent, you get to really flex and go into areas that you normally don't get to see. Um, we, were, we were allowed, I mean, you know, through the time, independent filmmaking has been able to has been shrunken because of the theater space and and the, the need for cable taking over a lot of these kind of independent filmmaking has gone there. So as you know, I looked at it as look, the, although distribution is shrinking, let's so with the equipment take and take this kind of equipment that's small and go back and use the you know and broaden our canvas and storytelling and take these small cameras, go globe trotting and see if we can make one of the biggest independent film make you know, films that we could make. I mean, you know, we'll see if we land this sucker. I don't know. But I think half the, the intrigue is to be able to see this journey of these spies go through these countries and understand, like, hey, we physically went. This, this isn't green screen. We went through these places. And you get to see the, the kind of struggle and the pain on these characters. That, you know, and, all, and on the big screen as well. Well, your experience for Lovers Only, from what I saw, you shot it with a $2,500 Canon camera, right? And then it becomes a cult yeah, hit yeah, on iTunes. Did. So you know how to stretch yeah, a dollar yeah. when making a, when making a yeah. you know, making a film. Yeah, I mean, that was the kind of the first of the initiation of that five camera that came out um, back then. And, and Michael and I looked at it. I was like, look, hey, this is an opportunity to be very indiscreet and go into areas, very historic areas and shoot uh, this love story out 
out through France who were lucky enough and fortunate enough to get an actress willing to travel with us, us down a Caddick from Castle. And, you know, you need team players with this, for these type of films, and she obviously came aboard and was amazing, and her fanship is, you know, tremendous in, in lending the support to this film. And it really took off, you know, it really got a really great following. We did really great numbers. You know, I think everyone's asking for a sequel, and we've been discussing that, trying to get that going. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult film to try to do a, a, a sequel to because everyone has their own kind of idea of what that should be. Mm. I think we'd like to revisit that because of the, the initial success of the first one. Well, I think we'll obviously all be uh, awaiting that because uh, the first one was very yeah. well received and I think we'll all be looking forward yeah. to that. Now, Juan, you know, speaking of cameras, you kind of being the eye cinematographer, DP, camera operator, producer on so many great unscripted shows, what was your experience like when shooting something like this? How, how different was it? Was it something that you, you, you liked or, or was good and bad or, or kind of how'd that go? I mean, you know, you, you sort of, you, you just get sort of stuck in the square, sort of how to sort of shoot something, because we, you know, we're going to use those, those standard EMG cameras and get our teams to get our footage. This was a little different. Obviously, we use, like, nicer lenses and we're working with red. And I think, I mean, all in all, it's sort of the same idea. I mean, you're just carrying a camera around and sort of grabbing, trying to grab beautiful shots along the way. Uh, you know, all this being a narrative, too. Um, we would have a little opportunity to block things out a little bit. Uh, but I mean, it, it helps to be in those beautiful environments. Right? When you get background and everything, you find good locations. That's that's half the battle. Now you make a movie and then you have to mode it. Let me go for a second, do some promotion of my own. This is the What the Falk Show with Connor Falk, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory, as well as Stitcher. It's a show that talks about all the things I love to talk about with people who also love to talk about things that they love to talk about, be it through entertainment, music, people who work in the culinary arts, who work in video games, teachers, educators, those who work in athletics as well. Check us out if you're looking for some informational and some uh, some witty banter for your day, be it if you're in traffic, you're playing a video game, or maybe you don't want to listen to your husband or wife talk to you about that week. So in that promotion, now you have to promote this film. I know that, Mark, you uh-huh. recently got back from Sundance, and we're going to go ahead and pitch in headlock. Uh-huh. How's this process going to go? Are you guys, you know, you're on a podcast right now. I'm going to go ahead and get this out to listeners. Yeah. Um, what kind of avenues yeah, I mean, do you use? Well, you know, right now, I mean, you know, the ground and the media and social media has changed so much from yeah. when I started in 1999 at Sundance. I mean, it was, I mean, we were talking about print back mm-hmm. then, you know, are you going to get the New York Times? Are you going to get that kind of now it's you know it's completely social media driven, and it's amazing because everything you, the word you can actually track word of mouth back then word of mouth was you couldn't you couldn't figure out who was saying what and now you know in 140 characters your film can either rock it or, or you know or not in the sense that things travel and retweet and become viral and so that's amazing when you got a great product and not so amazing when you don't but you know we started we just started to uh, sow some of these seeds at uh, Sundance this year which is an amazing film festival where we got started I mean it's great because it's like named after outlaws and a lot of people up there are doing things that are very out you know kind of you know not criminal, but I mean, a lot of people are dealing to get their film film made, and obviously, we went around the world asking permission all the time to get what we needed to get. So it was a great place to start talking about this film and promoting it. Um, as for where we're going to premiere, I, you know, we'll also look at we're looking at many venues and looking at the right places. We love Tribeca. Tribeca has been really good. We we premiered Stay Cool there. It's an, it was an amazing film festival. It's about just being ready at the time and making sure that. Look, all the components are in. There is the effects in here because we're dealing with intelligence um, and, and the visualization of that. So we're trying to get that right. Just watched picture a week and a half ago. So we have sound to do. And so we're looking at a place like maybe late spring to, to premiere it. And, that, and we'll start the heavy promotion. Now, right now, we're just starting to talk about it. 
start this campaign trail. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on this show yeah. and go ahead and promote the film. Yeah. Um, Juan, are you are you looking forward yeah. to that process of it? Because you didn't as many times have to pitch, yeah. you know, basketball wives or marrying the game, but on this, you're a producer. So, are you looking forward to the chance that has your name on it? You can go ahead and sell this to people as well. Oh, absolutely, man. This, I mean, this whole experience has been true for me, Connor. This is what I've always wanted to do, man. This, this is what I came out for, and so it's 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 been great. I that hasn't been lost on me. I, I sort of have treasured every second of it. You know, part of every little thing we can just really get done. It's been fantastic, man. It, it's it's uh, it's a transition. I, I I hope to do more of it. It's been amazing, and I, I really look forward to, to coming out. It really is a great movie, man. And I can't wait for. Everybody check it out. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And I can tell you, let you know that I'm going to go ahead and promote this this movie every time. Every every new guest I get, I'm going to go ahead and let them know. And in that same process, my guest two episodes ago was the screenwriter for the film The Signal. It was another independent sci-fi type film with Lawrence Fishburne, Brennan Thwaites. They also have an upcoming movie called Goliath about the deepest mine in um, in South Africa and kind of the the uh, the stuff that can happen in there. So I want you guys to check that out. This is just part of me trying to promote my guests and the stuff, the projects that they have. I'm very supportive of that. And uh, it was kind of part of that social media like you said i'm connecting with these people to social media having these people on my show followers and things that i never would have had before so you know i could tell you it's funny because one i was working on marrying the game we were talking about film talking about sports and all they kept saying in the show i'm driving the van right and all they kept saying is wow like you know a lot of stuff and i'm thinking you know i should i should probably talk about it get like a show or something maybe that makes me sound like an like an a-hole and what they said which i will always remember they said it's you're only an a-hole if you talk about it but don't come through don't do it so since then i bought my Mike and I've been having the show ever since then. I'm blessed and, and thankful to have guests like yourself to come on and talk about things that you love. And uh, you know, next I want to talk about if you have time, let's kind of move focus yeah. a little bit. You guys are filmmakers. You're in the business. What kind of films, television shows got you guys started? Like what what set the acting bug in to get you guys to this uh, point? Uh, you know, is there any kind of projects that, that oh, come yeah. to mind? I'm gonna, I'll probably age myself, but because <laughs> the, the stuff that I'm influenced really got me because I grew up in the '70s when. Cable was just early, so they would program things numerous times. You know, they would program the great 70s films seven or eight times, nine times that month. And so you'd watch it seven or eight times, Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. Mm. I mean, I think the probably, you know, one of the bigger ones that I remember sticking to and seeing it was the original Mad Max. Oh, yeah. That was Mel Gibson, and I think it was 79, and they came out here in 80 or something. It was on HBO. That kind of floored me because that, that used all the Western kind of Clint Eastwood model and then kind of put it in an apocalyptic world so that really was like redoing the western for you which we grew up on so that was no gibson in that movie probably was pretty big and then um once a long time in america uh, was was a big influence with robert de niro and, with, with uh, james James woods who you ended up working with yeah, on north yeah. fork yeah well i mean you just stare at him forever you cannot believe you're doing a scene with him you know so, yeah um, it, it's one of those things that like like you say it's like you know you work hard enough. You you, you do you do the right things. You, you you commit to what you want to do, and you'll be working with the people that you always wanted to work with. Or the people you dreamed about working with will be the reality of it. It's been an amazing experience to be able to work with those type of people. Andy Garcia. You know, I remember seeing him being young and going on Christmas Day to see Godfather Three. And, well, funny and enough, very amazing moment. Funny enough, you said Dog Day Afternoon. I'm currently reading the book Making Movies by Sidney Lumet, so I'm kind of in yeah. his head right now, and also, uh, you yeah. know, kind of uh, have an idea of why he did things and how he did them. Now, what about mm-hmm. you, Juan? Any mm-hmm. kind of any kind of films that kind of gave you the bug growing up? Well, you know, for me, I, I'm I'm you know kind of eighty kid, right? So I mean, I grew up with all through the Spielberg stuff, the Isn't the Jaws and the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, that kind of stuff. Movie I used to watch on cable. I'm talking about Time Bandits was always another loop, and I, I love that movie. TV-wise, like Amazing Stories, Twilight Zone, uh, just so it's 
stuff that was just a little, you know, like a little bit off set. Okay. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that attracted me. And, you know, I, I you know, became a film geek after that. And I, you know, I got the Hitchcock, Kubrick, and all the greats. And, you know, I'm a big fan of that. Recently started in the 70s movies because of March. You know, Taxi Driver, like Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, got so many great movies in the 70s. And that was a different era for sure. Man, yeah, those are all great movies. Again, another Scorsese, Robert De Niro connection right there. Uh, some of the best to ever do it. Now, uh, you know, the What the Falk Show did start primarily as a sports show. I actually started the show at Cal State Northridge and interviewed a lot of um, sports athletes, a lot of coaches and whatnot. So I want to ask you guys, if you guys are football fans, and if you are, who are you taking in Super Bowl 50 out of the Panthers and the Broncos? Oh, I would just love to see Manning weave with such a fantastic You know, I'm not... Look, and I'm a Cowboys fan, and they got one of my good guys, Marcus Ware. Okay. I, I like finding get some jewelry as well. I mean, he's, he's, he was great for our team, seeing him get a, get a ring here too. But, you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to see one of the greatest quarterbacks go down and retire properly like that? You know, Elway did it, the Broncos didn't see Manning do it as well. It would have so, be great uh, into uh, a great career. What about you, Juan? Who are you taking? I have to do it, Mark. I think it, it, it'd be a beautiful sort of story beginning to, to, to an amazing career. But I think the Panthers, I mean, they were really strong in that last outing. I don't know. I think the Panthers might win it, though. I do want that. Well, I'd have to agree. We'll see how it goes. I, I would say that the Panthers would certainly be the favorites in my mind, just because they're such a complete team. And it's tough because I, I certainly agree with the Manning storyline. Like, you know, as a Raider fan too, I want him to be able to retire and get out of the division. And I respect his career, yeah. right? And then, but then also yeah. with the Panthers, you have Jared Allen, you have Charles Tillman, you have Thomas Davis, you have also a lot of old vets who this is their chance yeah. to win a ring. So I think it's going to be a great game, and hopefully it's going to be as entertaining as this uh, interview was with you with you guys, Mark Polish, the director. Director, the writer, lead actor in the upcoming film Headlock, Juan Reyes, a producer on that film, worked on so many great reality shows, be it from Basketball Wise, Mary in the Game, Hollywood Exes. I have to thank you again, Juan. Thank you for helping this interview happen. I will always be indebted to you, and I will continue to promote thank this you, film. Sir. And uh, this is your chance, guys, to say goodbye. What would you like to say to listeners? Hey, thank you. Hey, thank you for your time and space. We appreciate it. And uh, you let me know, and I'll get this show out there. So, Absolutely. You know. Well, yeah. Speaking of social media and whatnot, we guys want to go ahead and give us your Twitter handles, so the listeners can go ahead and follow you and be up to date with your careers. Yeah. Well, I mean. The big, the big one would be Headlock Movie. You know, you can do that. I think it's Headlock underscore Movie. Okay. For for, uh, for the to Twitter Twitter handle and my personal one is uh, His Squadron of. It's kind of a little bit different because it's His underscore Squadron underscore of. It's a long story, but um, anyways, that's my own personal. And then you know, obviously, there's an Instagram account. Uh, on both of those as well you can follow mm-hmm. and you guys can also follow me on Twitter and also on Instagram at jpreas305 305 commanding you know Dade County uh, hardcore fan love my city uh, and thank you Connor for your time I appreciate it man. it was a lot of fun Absolutely, man. And hopefully this would probably be well, hopefully one of the better experiences you guys have had at a podcast at 8 p.m. Uh, on a, on a no, uh, Wednesday? No, I mean, I, I was, I was uh, very surprised when I saw you on Stitcher because I'm a big fan of Stitcher and I, I've listened to quite a bit of a podcast. So it's nice to have you on there. Now you're on my kind of subscription. So oh, great. Well, y- yeah, we just got on Stitcher. We just got approved and accepted to Stitcher. So I'm glad that yeah. that uh, makes me feel better. That that's I, I thought that would go yeah. ahead and be a great venue for the show and it looks like it is so far to have someone like you listening to it. It is. So. I mean, it's one of the greater apps and to be able to... Uh, uh, to accumulate these uh, podcasts and put them in one place and be able to listen to them when you want to listen to what you want to listen to uh, and when you want to listen to it and you're in there now so it's great because when, when Juan mentioned it to me I was like let me see if he's on Stitcher and he was I was like wow this is amazing this is cool because now I can put you in the file with all the other podcasts I listen to well, one thing I would say to that is Falk, yeah. So that sounds great. Uh, thank, thank you guys for coming on the What the Falk Show. I will, of course, I'll have your social media handles. I will, I will have the Headlock INDB. I will have the Headlock Twitter. I will have all that on the description of the show. As soon as the trailer comes out and posters, I will go ahead and have that. Um, and uh, and I'll be promoting the crap out of this. So I'll let you guys know when it comes out, and uh, and we'll go from there. Thank you. Have a good night.
night. Okay, you two guys. Thanks. So that was Mark Polish, director, writer, actor in the upcoming film Headlock. That was Juan Reyes. He's also a producer on the film. God, really lucky to have these two guys on the show. Great filmmakers, great advice, worked with so many good people. It's another example of how happy and lucky I feel to get to do this show each week and to get to have you guys listen to it. I very much appreciate the support from my friends, my family, people like Juan who I've got to work with on set and who who wanted to talk about this stuff. That's why I do this show. I find that these are interesting things that you might want, that I would listen to. So I thought maybe you're going to want to listen to it as well. Maybe you're in traffic, maybe you're working out, maybe you're playing a video game, maybe you just want to zone out to some informational, some witty, and hopefully some charismatic humor. My name's Connor Falk, this is What The Falk Show. It's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pod Directory, Stitcher, SoundCloud.com, MyWTFShow. Find me on Twitter, at MyWTFShow. Find me on Facebook.com, MyWTFShow. Basically, MyWTFShow, The What The Falk, anywhere online, that's going to be me spouting some more stuff about film, entertainment, sports, culinary arts, many different venues. Thank you for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.